0: Well, um, like you said, my name is Ashley Green. I'm a member here at CPC, and um, some of you think something that you may not know, Some of you do know this. But um, I have actually known Joel and Erica for half of my life. almost like, right at half um, for 17 years I've known Joel and Erica and so you know and you know how I met them um, so I previously went to a good um, Baptist Church and when they were looking for my senior year in high school they were looking for a new youth and college minister and so they formed what all Baptist churches do formed a search committee and so they um, elected to have a high school student which was myself and a college student which was Brandon Schweers um, and we were on that search committee and so we interviewed and looked at resumes and and so we said, yeah, well, let's hire Joel. And so, Joel, you were welcome. Um, <laughs> that's what I have to say about that. Um, so, but after that, uh, so that was my senior in high school. I went off to college. Um, two summers after that, I came back to that same church and was a youth intern under Joel. Um, learned a lot about ministry during those times. Have a lot of really funny stories. Also, um, I learned that I will never go on a ski trip with Joel Halpin ever again. And that's a story for another time, another day, but... Um, Lesson learned there. So, um, But I'm so thankful that I've had Joel and Erica just speak into my life for half of my life at this point. And so when I moved back to the area as an adult in 2010 it was no question that I was gonna come to Connection Point Church. Um, At that point, CPC was only a few months old, and so, but like I said, there's no question that's where I was gonna go. And so I started coming. um, Later that year, I met my husband. I met him online. He lived in Tennessee, and he moved down a few months later, and I think like week one or week two, immediately started serving on the sound team and has not stopped for the last 10 years. Um, And so so we have been all in, like we've gone to Peru, um, we've led connect groups, we've led a group through Reengage, um, we oversaw the Beyond Clothing Closet for a while. We've been all in on CPC for a long time. Um, But one thing that you may not know, and I bet people in this room don't even know this, there was a time a few years ago where we almost left. CPC. Like we, I'm talking to the point where we were like visiting another church on Saturday and showing up to CPC on Sunday and still serving. And we had let a select few of people, um, some select people know here at CPC that, hey, this is something we're considering. It's not something we're for sure about yet, but we just want you to know, we just want to be honest about it. And, um, but do you know why we almost left? It's because of our preferences. Because we saw another church and they had, um, they had a huge foster adoption ministry. They had a marriage ministry. They had a huge kids ministry. And we were like, well, that, that looks a lot better for us. That's going to work better for us. But when doing that, we made church about us and about what we can get out of church. And um, I think a lot of us do this. Think about it like this. Have you ever been on a cruise Chase and I, we went on a cruise a few years ago and it was an amazing vacation. It's probably a little different now with COVID, but maybe like after COVID we can all go. Um, (laughs) Wouldn't that be awesome? So uh, Chase and I went a few years ago and um, the cruises are set up for the, the, the sailor, right? Sailor? We're all sailors, right? If you want to cruise. <laughs> so um, they're set up for the people that are on the cruise to make, it, to make it the best it can be for you. You can find something for anybody to do on a cruise. Now, when Chase and I went on a cruise, that was when we realized that we vacation very differently. Um, I preferred to be out by the pool reading a book, um, when really I was like creeping on people and eavesdropping and people watching. Because I I, I will eavesdrop it, just so you know, and I have no shame in that. Um, Chase preferred to be back in the room, like he'll watch a movie or take a nap. Um, at night, he preferred to go to like, um, he wanted to go to just the comedy clubs and the Broadway type shows. I wanted to go to like karaoke night and the, the piano lounge and things like that. We vacationed very differently, but that a cruise is great for that. Now, we spent... Most of our time together on the cruise, but we did do some things separately. For instance, they had boy band trivia. You better believe that I was there, and I won. Got a trophy and everything. Heck yes, that's right. Um, but but that's what cruises are set up for. Everybody can do their own thing. You know, Carnival Cruise Line. Their tagline is "Fun is a choice," and their their commercials say, um, "Our fun will make you a better person, a better parent, and a better friend." And my concern is that some of us look at the church because we want the church to make us a better person, a better parent, a better friend. And that's not what the church was set up to do. That's not the purpose of the church. And so today I want us to look at what does Jesus say about the church? What does scripture call the church to do? Because for some of us, we, whether it's we log in or we pull up to a church, particularly if we're looking for a new church, we immediately start evaluating it. The worship starts, and we don't do this here because we have an amazing worship band, but you've probably done this before at another church, where the worship starts and you start thinking, oh, these, I don't like this type of music. These are outdated songs. This is, there's too much production in this. The worship band's really not that great. Or the sermon starts and you think, oh, the pastor is trying too hard to be funny. It's not deep enough. He's boring. And we walk away and we think, it just didn't do anything for me. I, just, I didn't get anything out of it why do we think it's okay to be consumers of the church? Why do we think it's okay? Why do we think that the church is for us? And so that's what I wanna look at. And so, because here's the thing, if we are not looking at church, if we are not doing church the way that God has called us to do, the way that Jesus lays it out for us, then we're doing it wrong. There's one way. Jesus said there's one way to do church. Like the church has one purpose, and that is to glorify him, not for ourselves. And so let's look at that. Um, We're gonna start in Matthew 16. Um, verses 13 through 18. And so I'm going to read starting in verse 13. It says, Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? This is the first time that the word church is used in, in scriptures, and particularly by Jesus. And in the original language, it's, he, Jesus says, I will build my ecclesia. Now, for some of us that have been in church for a while, we may think, we may hear ecclesia, and we're like, well, duh, of course that means church. Because ecclesia is used within the Christian culture to mean church. And it does. It is a, that is a modern translation of ecclesia is church. But do you know that this is not the first time the disciples heard the word ecclesia? This is not the first time they know what an ecclesia is because in this time an ecclesia is a gathering of people. It literally means an assembly of people who are called out and then sent out. The ecclesias were happening all the time. In town squares, in local communities, people would get together, discuss the needs of the community, the needs of the people, and then they would say, Okay, you go do this, you go do this, you go do this. And the next time we have an ecclesia, we're gonna we're gonna come back together for the good of the group for the for our one purpose. We don't show up to an ecclesia saying, hey, what can you do for me? It's, hey, we're looking out for our community here. We're looking out for, for our people. And so when Jesus says, I will build my ecclesia, he's saying, I am building my assembly. I am building my people, my people that I am calling out so that they can go out into the world. That's what he's saying here. You know, for some of us, we, um, we look at church much differently. We say, oh, today I went to church. Today I watched church. That was never what Jesus intended. Church was never meant to be something that we consumed. You know, some of us grew up and with the saying, um, and you may have even said it in church where you say, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors and see all the people. But that's not right. This is not the church this is the church, this is the assembly, this is who God has called out, this is the ecclesia. So here at CPC, we are the church, we are the assembly. When we have seen that this year, right? We, we don't need a place to gather, we don't need a building, all we need is the people. And that we've seen that this week. We, we are the people, we are the church, we are a team. We are part of the worldwide team, the worldwide assembly of people that are going to gather together and then go back out. Church is a team sport. Church is a team sport. As individuals, as individuals of the church, we are called to strengthen the team. An athlete, on a, on a, um, a, a player on a team, does not show up to a practice or a game and say, what is the team gonna do for me today? I hope the team does everything that I It's all about me. No. An athlete shows up, a team player shows up and says, hey, I'm here for the team. We are here for the good of the team. It is dangerous. It is so dangerous for us to think, what can they, what can the church, what can the team do for me? Instead, we want to be thinking, what can I do for them? How can I help my teammates grow closer to the Lord? How can we bring more people onto our team? It is easy to become disgruntled and frustrated with the church when you go to church. It is much more difficult when you are the church. I'm going to say that again. It is easy to become disgruntled and frustrated with the church when you go to church. It is much more difficult when you are the church. When we have the expectation of, I'm here to get what's in it for me, we are going to be disappointed but when we go into with the expectation of I'm here to contribute to these relationships, I'm here to contribute to these families so that they can grow closer to the Lord, to these kids in the church so that they can come to know the Lord. I'm here to that for that, then I believe our expectations will be more aligned. But that's really hard. That's difficult. And you know why? Because relationships are hard. Because the only people in relationships are sinful people. We're all broken. We're all messed up. And when you get a, bro- a, um, a group of sinful people together and say, hey, I'm going to need you to do life together. I'm going to need you to do ministry together. It's messy and it's hard. It just—it It is what it is. And so we're going to look at Mark 2. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I've actually preached on this story before, um, uh, but kind of with the same vein, but we're going to look at it in a little bit of a different way. Now, this story is also found in Luke 5 and in Matthew 9. So if you'll turn, if you'll look in your Bibles, um, starting in in Mark 2, uh, starting in verse 1, it says, and when he returned, that's Jesus, when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. So I want you to imagine that there is a crowd, or there's a buzz in the crowd, in the community. Hey, Jesus is here. Remember, what we've heard about Jesus. We heard what he can do. He's teaching. Let's go. And so Jesus is teaching in the home. It's not a big home. And everybody's gathered in. People are spilling out onto the streets. Now, this wouldn't be totally uncommon in Jewish tradition at the time, particularly if a rabbi is teaching. It's kind of like everyone's invited. It's a free-for-all. So people have their ears pressed to the door. They're standing at the window. Everybody wants to hear what Jesus has to say. So if we keep reading in verse three, it says, and they came bringing to to him a paralytic carried by four men. So I want you to think about these four men, okay? Imagine you were one of them. They wake up that day and they hear that Jesus is in town. But here they have this friend that's a paralytic, and this friend, we're going to call him Matt, not because Matt's right here, but because this guy is laying on a mat, okay? So <laughs> <laughs> not this mat. <laughs> but we're going to call this paralytic Matt. We're going to call it, say that's his name. And, and so these four guys, they hear that Jesus is in town and they say, hey, Matt, we're taking you to Jesus today. You, we got this. Jesus, he's going to heal you today. You can walk today. But, but their, their friend, Matt, he has to be carried everywhere he goes. But what do they do? They grab a corner, and off they go. And this may be the part, they're, they're high-fiving, they're fist-bumping, they're excited. And they're like, Matt, Matt, Matt. <laughs> and then they walk up to the house, and they see there's this crowd. And they're thinking, oh, we should have gotten here earlier. <laughs> the, the, how, how are we going to do this? This looks to be a sold-out show. And they walk up to some of the people that are standing outside, and they're saying, hey, man, look, you see my Matt. Matt, he's got, we, you know, we got to, he's got to see Jesus. And the people are like, Shh, no, you, sorry, man, come back later. You should come earlier. This is where you and I may have given up, where we would have said, hey, this is way too hard. This is not what I was expecting. We might look at our circumstances and say, I have a deadline, I have a prior commitment. Hey, we tried, we gave it our best. But that is not what these four men did do you see what happened? They kept going. If, if this were a movie, this is when like the Eye of the Tiger or the Rocky theme song would be coming on. Like this is where we're all pumped up and we want to see what's going to happen. Cause if we keep reading in verse four, it says, and when they could not get near him, when they could not get near Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Well, there are some details left out here. I have no idea how they got up on that roof. Was there a ladder? Did they stand on shoulders? Did they turn to Matt and just say, this is very convenient. (laughs) Did they say, Matt, hold on. (laughs) It's going to hurt, but we're going to throw you. Like, we don't know. (laughs) We don't know how they did it. But you have to love their diligence. You have to love their commitment to Matt. Because they said, no matter what, we're going to do it. And not only do they get up on the roof, but they, they start peeling through the roof. If you were in there in the room and and things start falling from the ceiling and Jesus is talking and he's nailing his message, you would be distracted. But then like literally the ceiling opens up and a man is lowered and whatever Jesus is talking about has to be paused because there's a man on the floor. Like we have to address this, right? (laughs) So if we keep reading in verse five, it says, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, my son, your, excuse me, your sins are forgiven. It's not a typo. It says that in the other parts of scripture as well, because of their faith. How blessed is this man to have friends like that? The friends that say, no matter our agenda for today, no matter what we have going on, we know that the one thing that our boy Matt needs is Jesus, and we will stop at nothing to get him face-to-face with the one healer that can save him. It may take time, and people may think it's a big inconvenience, but this is not an inconvenience. This is our best opportunity to serve our friend Matt, the main way that we here at CPC, where we find people to take up corners of our mats, is in our Connect groups. This is where you will find people who are going to take a corner of your mat. Now, think about it. if you're new to CPC, or maybe you're even trying a, a Connect, a new Connect group for a new sesh, and you are pull, you're driving. If it's an in-person group, you're driving and you're talking to your spouse or to a friend, and you're saying, "I hope they like me. What do they like?" Um, does anybody have a lake house? Because that'd be really cool. Right? Or or and then you get there and it's that awkward time where you're waiting for everybody to come in, or if it's virtual, you're waiting for everybody to log on. And and it's that awkward, like, small talk time. And you notice someone like across the room or on the screen, and they're not making eye contact and they seem like they don't want to be there. And it's just a little awkward. And but you're just like, okay, it's fine. And then you have your discussion and and your Bible study. And then you get to the part where you're uh people are talking about their prayer requests, what's going on in their lives. And this person that you noticed at the beginning, now they start like spilling, like they have a lot going on. They have a messy life. It's hard. This is a person that's going to need to be carried. How many of us log off or walk away and think, what have I gotten myself into? How do I get out of this? Do I really have to carry this person? I don't want to do this. We wouldn't say that, but some of us do, do think that. But I hope that we do what these guys did, that we can grab a corner and say, let's go. I've got you because we are a team. Our, your connect group is your team. Your church is your team. And so I want to talk really quickly about what does it make, what makes a great team? Well, the first thing it takes, see my team, the first thing it takes is time. It takes time to build a strong team. We have to prioritize our time together. Stephen Covey has an illustration that I'm sure you've seen or heard, but with a jar and you got to put rocks in and that only so many rocks can fit and you got to start with the big rocks and the small rocks. I believe that scriptures unapologetically tell us that coming together for worship and coming together for study and encouraging one another should be big rocks, there's no, I, I, there's no doubt about that. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And I understand it looks different right now. I understand that for some of us, we're only comfortable doing anything online. For some of us, we're dying to get back together. But we know that this pandemic did not throw God off. God does, this does not say, do not neglect meeting together unless there is a pandemic. We may have to get creative. We may have to, to figure out ways to do that. Because look, I'm not saying that, hey, next, next week, let's all go back to Cooper Junior High. Let's hug and high five and do the, all, all the things. Some people want to do that. To be honest, my family, we're not there yet. We're, st- we're probably more cautious than a lot of people. But we still have to, we can't neglect meeting together. And that, and, and that means that I have to be intentional about setting aside Sunday mornings so that I can be engaged in worship. And going to connect group is a non-negotiable. Connecting with people throughout the week has to be more of a priority because I cannot re- rely on seeing them on Sunday morning. If we are a team, we have to prioritize the time that it takes to connect with one another. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companions of fools will suffer harm. Are you walking with the wise or are you walking with the fools? In our connect groups, and in our church, we say it's God's word over our word. And so when life happens, it takes time to, we want to we pursue God's word. We want to, hey, you're dealing with something. Let's go to God's word together and see what it says. Let's, let's see what he says about that. But that takes time. And look, I love all of you, but on your own, we are not very wise. We need each other. We need the truth of the Lord to pursue that together. And that takes time. It also takes encouragement to build a strong team. Relationships are hard and community is hard, but it is much more difficult without encouragement. If all we do when we get together is say, hey, listen, here's all the things that I think you need to change, that won't work. People will leave real fast. And listen, I know that last year was hard. This last year, and it it continues to be hard for some people. Some people have been affected emotionally, physically, financially. For some people, um, it can be hard to be encouraging in this time towards each other and just towards the, our, our local body, towards our church. But our relationships amongst each other, amongst our team, they cannot grow without encouragement because relationships can't grow without encouragement. Just like your car cannot, grow, cannot run without gas. You know, I consider myself to be a decent car owner a decent is, it's a good way. I mean, that's a, that's generous, but I, I like, I get it. I keep it gas in it. I used to not, but I do now. Um, <clears throat> I, I get it the car wash every so often when my car is doing what I need it to do. I'm thinking, I love my car. It does its job. I, I, I you know, I'll say, I love my car. I never want to get rid of my car, but the second something's wrong with it, I'm like, uh, take it. You know, when I was young, I'd call my dad, dad, can you like take and fix my car? Now it's chase, take, take the car in. And, and I don't, I don't want to know what's wrong with it. Just fix it. Bring it back to me when it's done. And, and, and while it's done, while, while it's away, I'm thinking, <laughs> Matt is gonna double dose it. Um, while, while it's away, I'm thinking, I don't care what's wrong with it. And I hate that car. There's always something wrong with that car. I hate it. But when it comes back, you know, oh, I'm a good car owner again. How easy is it for some of us to do that with our relationships? When I'm with a friend and life is going, easy, life is going good for them, and, and and I'm like, oh yeah, girl, let's get together. Let's hang out on a patio. Let's talk about all the things. I love hanging out with you. But when someone's life is a little messy and they need to be carried, it's real easy to say, um, I'm busy. I have a lot to do. We don't so we don't we don't say out loud. Come back when it's fixed. Come back when it's not messy. But for some of us, that's what we're thinking. I imagine with this guy, Matt, that when his friends take up a corner, that he's saying, guys, just go home. Like, we don't have to do this. It's really, it's gonna be too hard. And his friend said, no way. We're taking you to Jesus. Did you you hear what we're doing? You need Jesus. We know where he is. So we're gonna make this happen. If we do not give relationships encouragement, they will die on the side of the road, just like our cars die without gas. And so it takes encouragement to build a strong team. Now, it also, and this is where I may lose some of you, it also takes accountability. Now, for some of us, for some of us, we've we've been thinking, "Oh yeah, I need encouragement. I need encouraging people in my life." And then you hear this, and you're like, oh, "Okay, never mind. <laughs> That's too hard, right? That's too messy." But we need someone that, when they start to see us drift when they start to see us drift from the truth that we claim to pursue, that they will confront us. That's what it means to love. I don't need a friend that is going to cross their fingers when they see me going through a stupid phase. They're going to cross their fingers and say, I hope she makes it out of it. (laughs) That's cruel. That is a cruel friend. I know that it takes trust to build accountability and that it is hard. But I think that there are three questions that we can ask one another that, that will give us a guide to pursue accountability. Number one, what has God taught you this week? What has God taught you? Now, you'll notice I didn't say, what did you read this week? Because while I think it's important, I I firmly believe that we should be in our Bibles and pursuing truth. But if you ask me, hey, Ashley, what did you read this week? I could say, I read Mark 2, where Jesus healed, healed the paralytic. I answered your question. But if you ask me, Ashley, what did God teach you this week? Man, God taught me what it means to to build a strong team. God taught me what it means to be the type of friend that's going to take a friend that's messy and hard and carry them to Jesus. That's what God taught me. So ask, what has God taught you this week? You can also ask, what thoughts or actions have hindered your walk with Christ this week? This is an opportunity for confession. And I know that confession is hard and it's scary, but scripture says that when we confess, that then there is healing. When sin is brought to the light, that then there is healing. The third question, how have you helped others see or know Jesus this week? Our role here, our purpose here on this earth is to make disciples. And so this is just a good question of, hey, how have you done that this week? It takes accountability to build a strong team. And so maybe this week in your connect group, with your spouse, with a friend, just ask these questions. And, and, and I know that they're, they're, you know, start with the first one. Just start by asking, what has God taught you this week? and see how you and you will be able to see how each other has grown and hold each other accountable to that. Now the last thing is maturity. When you have when you per, uh, prioritize the time, you have encouragement and you have accountability, then you will find maturity we want to mature. You know, going back to Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, where it says, and let us consider how to stir one another up. Another translation says how to spur one another on. Now, we in Texas, we all know what spurs are, not because we wear them, but because everyone outside of Texas assumes that we wear them. And while I have never been physically spurred, thank you, Lord, I have been spiritually spurred on. I have had a dear friend that has set me down and said, Ashley, the way that you are working from your own strength and not the Lord's, let's press into that. Or, hey, Ashley, the way that you find your worth in, in what others people say about you and not what God says about you, how can I help you pursue truth in that? We want to mature. If we are walking with Christ, if we are claiming Jesus as our Savior, then we are being transformed and conformed based on scripture to become more like Christ. But here's the thing. Jesus cannot be our savior without being our Lord. Jesus cannot be your savior without being your Lord. We cannot say, oh, I want Jesus enough so that I stay away from hell, but I want nothing to do with the way he tells me to live. I have no intention of doing that. We can't do that. That like there is nowhere in scripture that you will see that. Now maturity is a process. It, it takes step by step. But these guys and Mark, they knew what Matt needed. They knew that he needed to see Jesus and they would stop at nothing. That's a good friend. I want, I need sisters in Christ. And for men, you need brothers in Christ who have been invited, that's important, who have been invited to grab you in and say, what are you doing? Have you forgotten the goodness of the Lord? Have you forgotten the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within you? We need people like that. That is the only kind of love that will heal the world. That is the only kind of love that will help me grow in my maturity. And so it takes time, encouragement, accountability, and maturity to build a strong team. And the team, our church, we exist for the glory of the Lord. Because do you see what happened in verse 12? It says, and he rose, the man. So so what happened is Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And then like some Pharisees were like, wait a second, you can't say that. And then Jesus said, oh, you want me to show you who I really am, who I say I am? Okay, well, Matt, get up and walk. And, and, and so verse 12, it says, and he rose, Matt, and he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Do you, what happened to the people there in the room? They were amazed and glorified God. And now we gather here and people gather in these assemblies all over the world because back then people were committed to one another, committed to pursuing truth together and then told other people about it. And that's why we are here today. You know, years ago, um, when Chase and I were considering leaving Connection Point Church, uh, two of the people that we told were Megan and Joey. And when we told them, we were not expecting this. I think we did it on a phone call. And uh, we told them, hey, we're thinking about leaving CPC. And they, were like, they said, um, can we talk about this? <laughs> can we, like, can we just, we just want to hear your hearts. And, so, and we were, again, we were not expecting that. And so they came over, and um, we had a very long conversation on our couch And we told them, we're like, hey, this other church, they have this to offer, they have this to offer. And through that conversation, we were able to realize, hey, we were pursuing our own preferences. And had we left CPC, had we we pursued making church about us, making church about what can we get out of it, we would have been robbed of the joy that was to come over the next few years. We would have been robbed of seeing what God has done in CPC and through CPC and through us over those next few years we thought you know this other church that we were thinking about going to they were known for like deep community for being fully known and we we're like well we want that that and that apparently can only be found there and so we that's one thing that we told Megan and Joey hey that's they they got that we want it we're going there and they, so that you know what they said why don't you let us try why can't we be the ones to fully know you and so we did We started pursuing um, the harder questions and talking about the harder things. But we had just assumed that that wasn't an option. We assumed that, that our preferences would only be met elsewhere. Don't let your preference rob you from what God has for you. Don't log in or walk away thinking or walk into a church thinking, what am I going to get out of this? I would encourage you, commit to a church It doesn't have to be CPC, but we would love to have you here, but commit to a local body, commit to a local assembly because, and and if you choose to call CPC your home, please commit to a connect group because that is where you will find people to grab a corner of your mat. And the last thing I will say is, please, if you are considering leaving the church altogether, please don't give up on her. Don't give up on the church. She is flawed and she is scarred. She is battle-worn and she is weary. But when she is adorned in all of her beauty, in all of her majesty, she is beautiful and she is marvelous. And because of the church, because of God working in the church, people are being saved. Chains are being broken. Freedom is being found. She is the bride of Christ and she is not going anywhere. So will you commit to a church today, commit to a local body so that you can be on a strong team? Let us pray. God, I thank you. God, first of all, I just thank you for what you've done in my heart and in my family and how you have moved in mighty ways because of our local body. Lord, I pray that we would all just commit, that we would figure out what is our next level of commitment to make a stronger team. I thank you for what you have done in and through Connection Point Church. And Lord, I know that you are not done yet. May we all see the church, the local body, the local ecclesia for the beauty that it holds. May we have grace for one another when we don't get it right. But may we continue to pursue truth together to pursue grace together so that we can continue to tell others about how the grave doesn't have a hold. There is freedom from your sin and there is hope to be found. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.